With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Second day of the draft has been an incredible spot to land real difference makers at wide receiver. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, all within the last three years. Every single one of those names. So, Hayden Winks, the 2022 NFL draft should be no different. And today, let's go through, I don't know, six or seven names who might be next on this list for a variety of reasons. We also have to be careful we're not drafting Andy Isabella, Denzel Mims, and all of those. So today's show, we're finding out who is the next Metcalf and who's the next Andy Isabella. And these are like the couple names. We did the top five receivers in the other show. Sky Moore, George Pickens, Wondell Robinson, Jihan Dotson, all the guys that are kind of like 60th, 70th, 80th percentile in my model. So these guys have a fighting chance. But the, I would say about three of the six or three of the eight that we're talking about are actually going to be difference makers. Just laughing to myself. I don't know if we title this YouTube video, finding the next JJ Ortega Whiteside. I don't know if yes. it do very well, Hayden. I, I don't well, know if we should. Dynasty people will tune in. The people that drafted him, they're saying, <laughs> okay, let's make sure we don't make that mistake again. Yes. As Hayden said, we just recorded earlier this week, a look at the quote unquote top five wide receivers in the 2022 NFL draft, most associated with the 32 you know, top picks in this class, go and watch that. A lot of fun highlights for every single one of those prospects, pros, cons, projections, all of it. will link it down. Maybe even the pinned comment at the top of the description. And while we're going through this, if you have one wide receiver that we missed on, or one of the wide receivers that we talk about here that you think actually deserves to be in that quoted in that, you know, top five group, let us know in the comments, let us know in the comments. All right. As always, we're so organized. We're so planned out. I'm just going to pick a name. I'm going to pick a name. And we're going to start off here with Sky Moore, Hayden Winks. Five, nine and a half, 195 pounds, coming out of Western Michigan. Above average athlete, despite his agilities letting him down. We saw it, 4-4-1 speed. The rest kind of averages out, again, because of those agilities. He forced the most missed tackles in this class, 26, not just this class, Hayden, the entire FBS, 252 slot snaps out of 824. When you watched Sky Moore this season, what'd you see? I see an NFL starter. I see a versatile one. I can see him playing in the slot. I can see him playing outside. He's kind of got this stocky frame, which kind of makes him seem like a slot receiver, but he actually played out wide a ton, 107 yards per game. He actually had 96th percentile yards per team pass attempt. One of my favorite stats. 
He declared early a 21-year-old. He has that burst that you talked about. That made him a 63rd percentile adjusted spark athlete. But I think the biggest thing with Sky Moore is he might have the best releases in the entire draft class. Now, he doesn't have the exact wiggle that I'm looking for. He doesn't have the exact size that I'm typically looking for. But some of these releases that we're showing on YouTube right now are pretty fired. I'm pretty excited for him overall. I 100% am excited for him. We talk about two wide receiver sets, three wide receiver sets. To me, he is the type that when you go two tight ends on the field with just two wide receivers, you stick them in one of the outside spots. Yep. Then when you bring in 11 personnel, a, a third wide receiver, boom, you put them in the slot and allow them to work in that little you know trash area of the field where there's maybe some more afforded space to them as well. In fact, if we can pull up his heat map here, Hayden, you see he wins on the outside. In fact, most of his big plays in 2021 were created against press coverage, against man coverage on the outside. It's that super fluid movement that we keep bringing up. He really sells those inside moves. Everything is exaggerated. And I couldn't help but see Golden Tate, even Curtis Samuel coming out of school. And he's like one inch shorter than Curtis Samuel, about the same size as Golden Tate. They had the same questions about their agilities for a smaller wide receiver, yet we see them create separations, those hesitation moves. It's that, you know, one to two to three step quickness, not saying like they're their most powerful, that, you know, the strongest, despite, you know, Sky Moore having nine contested catches last season. But it's in that mold that to me, again, fits the out there in two wide receiver sets and then can really shine in three wide receiver sets as well. Yeah, I see like a little bit like a Monroe St. Brown type of usage in the NFL at the next Not level. Bad. Um, at the best, I see thick digs. Uh, and that's just because he can beat man coverage uh, like one of the best in the class. I have yards per route run on non Mickey Mouse routes that remove screens, leaks, broken plays, sweeps, all that stuff. But we're talking about the legit routes like you're actually winning downfield. Out of the top names, we're going through Sky Moore's 4.4 is the tops of the class ahead of Traylon Burks and those guys. So, yeah, I, I think that we should be definitely interested. And I think for fantasy in particular, that role that you talked about in two wide receiver sets might go into the slot in three wide receiver sets. That is a plus role in fantasy. So he ended up being an 86 percentile uh, prospect in my model, assuming yep. second day draft capital. I think we're going to get, I would say, anywhere between pick like 29 to pick 64, I think that's the range that he's living in. I think there's an outside chance, like you're saying, that he maybe squeezes into, into round one. Okay, you and I both love him. Should we play a little devil's advocate here and like try to nitpick of why, why there might be some pitfalls at the, at the NFL level? One, and I'm sure a lot of people watching this or listening to this might say, well, it's at Western Michigan. It's not yep. the SEC level that we're seeing, and we're going to talk about you know some of the receivers today, the ones that we talked about earlier in the week that's potentially there uh the agilities that we keep talking about for a player that size it doesn't quite match up with some of the best slot receivers out there but we don't think he's you know just focused solely on on the slot and i would say that like if he doesn't have that you know route running in isolation where cornerbacks have no chance and they're able to stick with him he does have a little bit of an issue when they like stay in phase in his back pocket working working down the field in comparison to some of his other peers. Yeah, I think it's just the combination of being slightly undersized for an outside receiver and then also not having the same exact agilities is where this can fall apart. And I'm I always like the power five guys. Like you give me an Ohio State guy that's not producing, I'm still going to be in. Uh but his production was like off the charts, yep. really really good stuff. So 
Uh, I think he's probably going to end up being a number two receiver in the NFL, but I'm not ruling out being a number one receiver. I think he's got like, that was a nasty double double move right there. Uh, And he's got just enough burst to kind of make it happen uh, to be a yards after the catch guy as well. If he goes to a bad team, I think he can create separation on his own. And if he goes to a good play caller who can manufacture space for him, they run these glance routes where they give him the ball a little bit more out in space, a little bit further down the field. And he's a menace after the catch. Again, I bring up that Curtis Samuel name because if you go back to Curtis Samuel at Ohio State, he had a ton of running back snaps and that showcased his you know, yards of catch capabilities or the ball in his hands and how strong he was with it. We didn't really get that here with Sky Moore, but again, he still led the entire FBS, all wide receivers with 26 forced missed tackles at his size. Again, at less than 5'10", 195 pounds. He's compact. He's fun. You can't touch him in a phone booth. And he wins from a variety of alignments as well, even on the outside like this, even red zone stuff, man, even red zone stuff. These the highlights are so much fun. Yeah, it was, it's a great pair of highlights here. I gave him early round two grade. We're, we're fans. All right. We'll go on over from Sky Moore, Hayden Winks, to a name I know you want to talk about. Georgia wide receiver, George Pickens. Six foot three. 195 pounds, an above average to good athlete coming back from ACL tear. They actually returned back to the Bulldogs earlier than expected. Yeah, so this is the classic boom bust prospect. If you hit it, he's your number one X receiver. He could also be uh, a Laquan Treadwell somewhere that were completely bust out. But on day two, this is where you have to kind of start rolling the dice. We're talking about a five-star recruit. He has the size profile that you're looking for. I just talked about how I like the SEC guys. Went to Georgia as a true freshman. He broke out. He led uh, Georgia in both yards and touchdowns per game in that season. Then he tears his ACL. We're still worrying about some of those injury things. But he did come back. And even that the highlights I'm showing you right now are against Alabama after the uh, ACL surgery. And he's just kind of a acrobatic contested catch guy the issue that i have with him primarily is kind of invites contact he's not the greatest athlete he's a 52nd uh, percentile adjusted spark athlete in my model and he kind of needs to clean things up but that's probably because he hasn't played that much football like he right. barely played the last two seasons so you're kind of taking like some of the rawness of this guy's game and betting on you developing it but he has the tools to be a number one receiver if everything kind of clicks for him. There's so much potential there. There's a lot of upside there. I just think he also has a long way to go because like the refinement isn't there already. And you mentioning that he kind of invites contact. I think he loves it. Oh, I think, yeah. I think he loves to be a bully. He loves to be the hammer. You see it sometimes after plays are done where he wants to take his opponent's head off. They can get under his skin. Um, he was suspended because of it. And then you see him also in rug blocking on backsides, getting in shoving matches Hammers and throwing people. his op- opposition to the ground. Um, now, with that said, probably his best area right now are those contested catches like going up. I think his timing can be off a little bit of times. I don't think he uses his frame perfectly like we just saw it there. He kind of leans back instead of what Jamar Chase does. Matt Waldman points this out all the time. Yes, putting your foot in the dirt and going straight up in the air because that makes you longer and that doesn't mean you lean back on on the corner that's on top of you as well. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have, let's say, again, the sudden man-to-man movements on the outside. And it's funny, he's about one inch taller 
than C.D. Lamb, but just about the same exact weight. And the two couldn't be more different in terms of their movement with the ball in their hands or like how they move in routes and how they're going to be used at the NFL level. And then just finally, I did like some things along the sideline because he has to work in tight spaces a lot because he he works in the sideline almost exclusively. And there were times when he would put his foot in the dirt and again, in that short field, be able to turn the corner around that cornerback and uh, make something happen in the condensed area. Yeah, he's kind of like we were talking about with Garrett Wilson where he's just running like kind of crazy and there's body parts flying all over the place, especially when the ball's in the air. But if he just cleans it up, like you see the five-star ability on some of these plays and he was facing like press man coverage against Alabama. Like you don't get that with everybody else. And he was actually producing like early declare five-star athletes from Georgia that had production, like good production as a true freshman. That's like the upside case with them. I think on the film, there's definitely lots of pros and cons, but like day two, like we're going to talk about some of these other guys. Time to take that risk. Ceiling is way higher than the next guys we're going to talk about. So if you have an extra draft pick, this is like the perfect time to spend on it. I think that this could take a couple of years for it to work, but he's got the, the the ability to kind of reach a ceiling that nobody else kind of uh, that we're going to talk about has. I, I went through and watched like a mic'd up portion on practice that he and Eric Stokes went back to back. They were just talking oh, shit. Oh, that's got to be good. I mean, that's got especially be him. He was just talking crap all all practice long. Yeah, I mean, again, these corners are he's facing off against. Five stars, four stars, Dingley, athletes yeah. in themselves. Just because of his lack of suddenness, though, Hayden, he he had some trouble separating. Like that, that's yeah. fair. But round two, round three is one hundred percent the area to take a player like this. Because then, if it all hits, because there are times when you watch him, he's making crazy extended catches away from his frame, and I think his hand-eye coordination is actually really good. But then I can show you five or six drops that he's had as well that shouldn't yeah. have been drops at all. And that would contradict my statement. So like the highs are really, really promising. Yeah. He, weird. Last weird thing about him. He's six, three. He has like ninth percentile hands. Like it makes no sense, but he's got tiny hands. And then sky Moore, we have, I mean, we just talked about him. He's short. He has like 96 percentile hands. So I don't know how that happened. Uh, but that's another positive for sky Moore. ultimately for George Pickens, 84th percentile prospect in my model. There's a huge asterisk with that. He's kind of popping my model, but it's like so hard to like kind of figure out how to add his production just because he didn't play. But all the other stuff, the early declare stuff, the age, the the team strength, all that stuff is is right on par for somebody that's worth worth the gamble. Uh, Hayden, while I bring up the next clip, tell the people about rookies and sophomores because they can take advantage of all of these rookies and second year wide receivers in this fun little game that we have over on Underdog Fantasy. So it's it's a smaller tournament. Uh, and you do uh, four-person drafts. You're drafting a quarterback, a couple running backs, a couple wide receivers, uh, maybe a tight end or two. The drafts only take you about 10 minutes to do, and you're only drafting the incoming rookies and then the uh, rookies from last year. So there's a little bit of game theory because there's not that many quarterbacks, so uh, you have to kind of make some adjustments there, and we don't know the landing spot. It closes before the draft, so if you think that you know a sleeper in this draft class that's going to get drafted earlier, or if you just want to bet on a Jahan Dotson coming up here. Yep. Now is the time to get some skin in the game. And unlike the dynasty things where you're getting all the shittiest trade offers of your life and people trying to take advantage of you, you just have to draft and don't worry about it. And we'll get to the season. And that's why best ball is just uh, God's game. Yeah. If you were waiting 10 minutes in the waiting room at the dentist's office and you want to power through a draft, go play rookies and sophomores. Like it'll take you five minutes on your phone, 10 minutes on your phone, whatever. And if it's your first time ever playing God's game, 
underdog fantasy best ball. Use promo code the show. We will match your first deposit up to $100 because fantasy football never ends. We're drafting right now. Okay. This man, because of what he did at North Dakota State, because of what he's done on the all-star circuit as well, Christian Watson Hayden, some people might even believe he should have been in our video the other day in terms of round one talents. Um, but we're going to talk about him here right now. Six foot four, 208 pounds, an insane athlete. Four, three, six speed, a 38 and a half inch vertical and an 11 foot broad jump. We have no agilities, but that's fine. Right now, we're going to consider Christian Watson some level of a superhuman coming out of an FCS program. He is a 94th percentile adjusted spark athlete per my model. And you see it. There was a couple plays that they would throw a little drag route. They'll give him a little end around and it's off. Uh, the problem with Christian Watson is I think that he's purely a bet on athleticism. The rest of his game, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired. He had some drops. I thought he was kind of just rolling around like a madman when it comes to running routes. He kind of plays a little bit smaller than you'd anticipate uh, when he goes and fights through contact. And I think just the underlying metrics on a uh, Christian Watson, a two-star recruit. Uh, he didn't break out until later in his career at North Dakota State. That offense is really, really unique. They use a lot of two tight end sets. They use a fullback. So he's get really one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside and he's a little bit older. So a lot of those things are the negatives that you're looking for. But if you want to just bet on an outside receiver that has crazy upside, he's kind of the guy in the class to do it. Yeah, I want to live in a world where two years from now, I can look back and understand what type of prospect Christian Watson is, because there's a chance we look back and he might be top two, if not top one in this class. Like that's in the realm of possibilities here. Now to some of the questions that I have that he's not there right now. His projection reminds me so much of DJ Moore in that it's all a bit rounded in his routes. It's all rounded. You know, there's, it's all smooth. There's no suddenness. There's no head movement or wiggle or, or anything positively frenetic. If that makes sense to the people out there. I mean, he runs a ton of curls, deep crossers, vertical routes, or push passes behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Like, He's a, he was a manufactured touch player at times for North Dakota State. And because of that, we got to see some really nice vision and just out-athleted people. And that's a little bit of the concern I have right now. He was just a supreme athlete versus his entire competition. And because of that, again, he just looks like he is a different caliber prospect, which he was, than a lot of the players he, he went up against. And I think he relied on that a little yeah. bit. And, I mean, no shame to him for doing that, I think. That's a natural thing that happens when you're that tall and that athletic versus that level of, of competition. But again, to the DJ Moore point, he still relied on his athleticism for the first few years of his career. I would say he's still not a precise route runner, but he understands like the airs where he wins. And so is his play caller in terms of getting him the football. And I kind of wonder if it's going to take a little bit of time for Christian Watson to do that as well. It's not, it's never going to look pretty. It's never going to look elegant. Yeah, the problem, DJ Moore is a young prospect. Chris, Christian Watson's already 23, so it's a little bit late in the game for uh, somebody to be developing him. So I gave him a round four grade. I think he's going to go higher than that. I think that's somebody just like in dynasty circles. We're doing rookie draft rankings. He's somebody that I'm not going to be um, drafting very much. I, I I just didn't see it enough 
on tape to Warren and I'll let somebody else kind of make that upside bet when it comes to the athleticism. Was a great returner as well, which we know has been an indicator of some success from the college level to the, uh, to the NFL level. Hayden, I don't know if you saw this. He had 16 drops at his college career on just 120 catchable passes. Yeah. Which I saw drop rates, drop rates are drop rates. You know, I think it's very easy for those of us, especially at the NFL level, to focus on those because those are just really obvious negative plays. But that's something to bring up. It's 100% yeah. something to bring real, up. Real quick on the drops, uh, I always hear people say that drops like don't matter. Drops like total drops are negatively correlated to fantasy success. Drop rate is actually bad like it, it is bad it just like means that you're earning more targets when you're talking about total drops but a high drop rate is actually bad don't let the haters uh tell you otherwise yeah and i don't want to you know bet against him improving because again i'm sure a even the north dakota state has been a powerhouse at that level nfl coaching locker rooms training surrounded by talent that that can elevate people but again right now as we see it despite really the four routes or the five routes that he runs, he can get totally locked up with corners on his release. Yeah. But that crazy athleticism allows him to, to take over. So yeah. uh, I, I would love a little bit more exaggeration in all of it. It's somebody else's gamble, not mine. Hayden <laughs> okay. Winks will not be selecting Christian Watson, the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. Okay. Uh, one more name that people have been calling for us to talk about Hayden Winks. Penn State, wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. Where is it? I have it here. Yeah, Jahan Dotson. Five, ten and a half, 178 pounds. More or less an average athlete. I thought, Hayden, he really eats up ground after his break. It's like one of those moving walkways that you see at an airport. And when people hop on it and start walking, they're just instantly faster than you are. Like that first two or three step speed that he can create is one of his best assets to me. Yeah, he's a very lengthy receiver on top of that. So when he gets cooking, he gets really cooking. Uh, four, four, three, forties, decent. Thirty six inch vert is decent. Uh, he like his best attribute is he plucks these balls out of the air, man. Like where these first couple highlights are that he can win over the middle. Uh, but he is playing on the outside. I wonder if because of his size, he's going to play in the slot a little bit more uh, at the next level. But he was 79% of his snaps on the outside at Penn State. The production was good. He was a little bit older of a prospect. We don't like that he was not an early declare. He also was 2.2 uh, yards per run versus man coverage. And that's, I think, the biggest worry with me is Jahan Dotson. I think that he was a little too slender. He got kind of bodied up. Uh, a little bit. So I ultimately think that he's going to be more of a number two or number three receiver in the NFL. I think that he should go late round two somewhere in that range. I think that you're hoping that he becomes an Emmanuel Sanders, but that's kind of like the ceiling I see with him. I think that he's a, a low end, maybe average NFL starter, and that's decent in the second round. It's fascinating. And you outlined this 158 slot snaps a season of 768 in total. Yet when we look at his heat map, according to PFF's draft guide, which you can all go and get, it's a great product. All of his success and his targets and his catches are over the middle of the field. So part of me wonders if we can extrapolate that and say, hey, he's probably best at working against zone coverage, making catches away from his frame over the middle of the field extending to, again, elongate his body 
maybe that open space or working in trash is is his best bet to succeed yeah. at the NFL level. I also believe that his quarterback absolutely sucked. Like, I don't know anything about college recruiting. I don't know anything about college football right now. But 14 on Penn State, I thought I was watching Matt McGloin all over again. Yeah. Like, he was doing this guy zero, zero favors. Your point. Clearly a number two. I thought he struggled versus press coverage. But when he was given that cushion, he does give you some of that ISO route running. But most importantly, it was like that that feel for zone coverage that if his sight line to the quarterback was blocked, then he would just move, you know, a few yards to the left or the right, you know, the right to get open basically. And and he had it. And so projecting his traits and where he wins the slot, especially again, those tough catches that he can make away from his body makes so much sense to me. The other name I had written down was Darnell Mooney. If he's going to be playing on the outside and kind of going back and forth, I can kind of see that type of frame that kind of winning under in the scheme touch game, but also can get vertical. I think that he might end up being like uh, a vertical slot player. And I think that would be pretty fun. Um, I, I don't see a total upside. He ultimately checks at an 81st percentile uh, in my model, which is fine. I, I don't think you're getting a superstar, but I think that you're ultimately going to get um, a starter, maybe inside outside versatility. But I, I think I would fire him up in the slot per, uh, personally. And again, he has real areas where he wins. I just would be afraid of trusting him in press man or man coverage on the outside snap after yeah. snap after snap. For sure. That doesn't take advantage of of the areas where he is successful. And I've seen him mentioned even the likes of Sky Moore and stuff. And anything can happen with these prospects. I'm constantly wrong. Uh, I would not put him in the grouping that we talked about on Tuesday with the top five. And I would not probably put him in the top couple that we've talked about here as well. But there's intriguing it, stuff. I've seen some people float him out as a first round prospect. So I, I wouldn't rule out him going like pick 30th yeah. overall. Uh, I To me, he's a second round pick. Like I, I gave him a late round two grade. If I really needed a slot receiver, then you can bump him up a couple spots. But I think that he belongs on uh, in the second round. Definitely not the first to me. Let's talk about a bucket of players right now. I want to bring up two in uh, Calvin Austin. And coming out of Memphis, I should say, and Wandale Robinson coming out of Kentucky. Um, Hayden, these two, I feel like the NFL hated this type uh, a couple years ago. Like they they had no clue how to use a 5'8", 170 pound Calvin Austin or a 5'8", 178 pound Wandale Robinson. And I don't know if they still do, but I think they're a bit more welcoming to to this type of prospect. First with Calvin Austin. Um, this feels like Ray Ray McLeod to me. And that's like the low end of the spectrum. And I wonder if you could ever get into the high end, which it's the name we keep talking about Isaiah McKenzie. Like it's fine space and run with the ball, a manufactured touch player, just out athlete, everyone around him, but out athleting is possible because he's a freak of an athlete, like a total freak of an athlete. So I'll pull up his highlights right now. Yeah, uh, Calvin Austin, 86th percentile athlete, um, according to my model. The problem with him is he's 23 years old, played at a pretty small school, uh, all things considered, and ultimately ended up ha having uh, 21st percentile production. So he only came out a 33 percentile uh, uh, prospect in my model, so I'm going to be out. But I, 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 get, I guess the NFL is kind of trending this way where you could use him 
I, I think he's more of a day three player. Uh, I think I have a little more interest on the next name we're going to bring up. Yeah, and there is a slight difference. And I, what I wanted to bring up with Calvin Austin is that he averaged 7.2 yards after the catch per reception this past season. And he actually played predominantly on the outside. Just 39 slot snaps despite this frame versus 412 on the outside. So like they were asking him to be an isolated receiver. And that's a tough thing at that frame. That's really tough. Now compare that to Wandale Robinson, who's a lot of fun. There's a history here. He had 133 carries through two seasons starting his college career versus 91 catches. He transferred from Nebraska over to Kentucky and basically morphed and and flipped into becoming a wide receiver. And then because of that, again, despite this frame, 5'8", 178, he forced 22 missed tackles, 35 screen catches, which is the third most. Also, 16 deep catches, which is 16th most. Used all over the field at Kentucky, who's you know, play caller is now with the Los Angeles Rams. And so when a guy like that, who's now at the NFL level is like, I don't need to get you the ball. You must be kind of special. Yeah. He was 97th percentile adjusted production. He had 103 yards per game. He is one of those early declares too. And he was winning in the slot. Primarily he averaged 3.4 yards per route run versus man coverage, which is fine. Uh, to me, his best route is that slot fade route i think that when he was doing cross like when when a defender was able to get their hands on him on these crossing routes it was not good for him but lots of scheme touches which is a good thing um in general but i ultimately think that he's gonna be too tiny i don't think he played through contact well enough he had uh too many body catches and a couple too many drops uh for me personally but i think that that number three number four role player uh and that isaiah mckenzie variety i think that you can get that with him i just didn't see enough for enough pop for his size and i think that he's going to be end up being more of a gadget player but that's fine like late round three i think that's totally fine for him yeah again i think that these are cherry on top of the cake type players where you're not going to build anything around them they might have some things called specifically for them though like three to five plays per game and they aren't going to be successful for all 32 teams um, again, I do want to stress that there's a difference here. Calvin Austin was majority like a, a outside wide receiver in college, probably not in the NFL. But at college with Ron Wandale, he had 279 slot snaps out of 388. But crazily, again, top 15 in deep yards, screen yards, and slot yards. Um, I, the bigger question here versus like other prospects that we talk about, we talk about as individuals, almost this, again, prototype of a player how open and receptive do you think the NFL is to it? Because maybe best case scenario again is like the Isaiah McKenzie's that we keep talking about, but then you have someone like Mikol Hardman who was used in kind of like this jet sweep action, manufacture touches, stretching the defense laterally and trying to get the ball in their hands as quickly as possible. Um, but we have seen maybe him as an isolated player, not being able to stay on the field consistently because he doesn't have the skills to do that. Yeah, I think McCall Hardman's also faster, just and straight he's taller. Up. Yeah, I mean, Wandell is 5'8", 175. He on, like, only ran a 4'4", 40, which, I mean, you got to be you got to be faster than that straight up. So he was somebody that had like round two hype. I think that he's more on that round three, round four. And if he if you can scheme him up a couple touches, sure. It, but I think that he probably should be your number four receiver and probably you're not your full time slot receiver. Yeah. He's a zone beater. Like a lot of his routes weren't really routes. It was almost like, hey, let's get the ball in his hands and make him a short punt returner. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. But then again, vertical ones, it was get down the field. And to his credit, he is really trying to be competitive when asked to go up and get it off the ground. Like yeah. he will try to win body positioning and corners that are taller. So he has that competitive spirit in him. I'm there has to be a full plan around it. And like teams will target one of these guys. It just has been so hit or miss if they work out like the Greg Dorches of the world, who wasn't nearly this athletic, but like the Kiki cuties of the world. Braxton Barrios is among this list as well. Like it's uh it's really hit or miss. And a lot and the of ceiling, so, the ceiling's very it's, low. It's so only even if it hits, high. even if it hits. Yep. Yeah. So I'm with you. He's uh, okay. So why don't we like do a complete 180? Talk about another slot receiver, but one who was drastically different in uh in David Bell from Purdue. So we talked about shorter, smaller projections. David Bell is 6'1, 212, and a really bad athlete. 465, awful shuttle, poor jumps, and three cone. What are you doing with this? He was 11th percentile adjusted spark athlete for my model. Uh, he played out wide at Purdue. 83% of his snaps were out wide, but I think that he's ultimately going to be a power slot because of that athleticism issue. He had a really tough game against Greg Newsom in 2020 where he was just getting bodied, and that's a first round. Uh, corner. So I think that he's ultimately going to go into the power slot role. But with that said, his production was off the charts. 88th percentile adjusted production, 3.2 yards per out run versus man coverage at a power five school. He was outproducing Rondale Moore at times, and he was just a, a pretty headsy, toolsy, uh, kind of run through your mouth type of player. So I think that in a power slot role where he's not going to have to be winning like we saw on that last play on the outside down the field. I think you can get away with a starter here. He was a 70th percentile prospect. I don't want to be viewing him as I did before the combine. But when I was watching these, these highlights and watching the game film from him, uh, you can tell that he was not going to be separating downfield. That's just not the player he is. But I think that in the power slot role, you can be a little bit more optimistic. I think you kind of covered it there. Like a lot of times when, you see slower receivers to this degree at that size. People are going to say, well, we'll just put him as Jarvis Landry. To me, that's underselling what like Jarvis Landry does in the middle of the field and like how legit of a good player he is. He's a technician as well. So I'm not just someone that's going to throw out athleticism over and over and over again, especially when someone tests better than a non-NFL caliber athlete, which David Bell did. But uh, it's a struggle for where he won at the college level and how he won on the outside. And cause I, I do think it's going to have to be in the muck in the mud over the middle of the field. And he's also a good blocker. Like there yeah. are times too, that you see him doing some of the Cooper cup, Robert Woods, extra tight end at the end of the formation type stuff that he gets like good body positioning and understands like, Hey, the running back's going to cut off my backside. So I'm going to seal off in this direction. But Whenever you're talking about run blocking for a wide receiver, you know it's because you don't have that much stuff to talk about with them catching the football. Hey, well, that's that's good news for like 10 of those teams out there. Like those, those four in Shanahan guys. I True. can see it. I can see it. You can see it. Um, why don't we stay along this line of player and go on over to Clemson's uh, Justin Ross? Because this has been a, a crazy story that he has gone through. Again, Back in, and correct me if my years are wrong, 2019, he was perceived to be like the next great Clemson wide receiver. Then has to have spinal surgery. He tested like an awful athlete at 6'4", 210 pounds. But what I read and found out was that he played this season entirely 
on a fifth metatarsal injury, which completely slows you down. And it did slow him down. I I thought he moved in slow motion all season long, Hayden. Yeah, he was definitely a contested catch player. And I think that's because of the speed. I I wonder if the athletic measurables were also because of this foot injury a little bit too. So he's, he's kind of just a a boom bust prospect that I think I would rather wait until round three, round four to make this type of bet, but he does have the size and the pedigree that we're looking for. Freshman year standout had a thousand yards with Trevor Lawrence down there. I could actually see the Jaguars say you might go compete on the outside with, with uh, Marvin Jones this year. I can already see it, but you're not, you're not betting on him because of last year's tape, he was not the same player. And that offense talked about with that Penn state quarterback, they were oh struggling gosh. out at Clemson too. So I think there's a little bit of an up, upside case just because four-star recruit productive early on at a power five school, but you have to kind of make a projection. You got to make sure his medicals and all that stuff works out before you can kind of make this bet. Funny you mentioned the Jaguars for a couple of reasons. One, you're going to look better no matter what when you're playing with Trevor Lawrence versus whoever the hell five-star quarterback who busted that they had this year. DJ. Um, two, with Jaguars, I saw Laquan Treadwell here with Justin Ross. Like another guy early in his career that people thought, oh man, big body, making these crazy catches off the field that just looks bigger and stronger than everyone else. And because of what you said, and I know whenever you talk about Justin Ross, people are going to bring up, you know, the injuries and after spinal surgery and all that type of stuff. Well, that's why I went back to 2019 and he was still operating as like the big slot versus Alabama. And like the big play he had in that game was his hand inside to push the corner down. That corner gets severely injured and lays down on the ground and he's wide open for round for catch for a touchdown. It's all to me like outside release arm bar to keep separation than one handed catch to win or try to go up and win it on, on the outside. I didn't see a lot of sudden movements to his game. His winning area really might have to be that hand-eye coordination to come down with contested catches. He's like the end of the day, like an outside release jump ball guy. Um, and then played more in the slot this year than he had in the past 244 slot snaps out of 477. So not a yards up to catch just forced nine missed tackles. It's a tough one because, again, this perception that people have, especially the program he's coming out of, how dominant he was early in his career. But even when I went back and watched that, I didn't see, like, blow-me-away dominant skill set. Yep. Throw him a jump ball and hope he comes down with it for now. Well, we go from Clemson to another big-time program. and Maybe we end here. John Mechie, Alabama, also with an injury history. ACL tear he's coming off of, just like his teammate Jameson Williams, who we talked about in a previous episode. Go and check that one out. It's linked in the description down below. 5'11", 187 pounds. Hayden, that's all I'll say. The floor is yours. Well, I I know you didn't like him because he's not a separator. He's probably a below average athlete. We didn't get the testing scores because of that torn ACL. I think that his ceiling is certainly capped. Uh, He was not like a very vertical player on the jump balls. He was also not a separator yards after the catch guy either. I will defend him a little bit. I think that he is a headsy player, good technique, hand usage, fighting off uh, defenders over the middle of the field. So I can see him being a like a longtime pro, maybe in that number three, number four role. I think you can win uh, inside or outside if you need him to. I don't see much ceiling beyond that. Um, but I think like round late round three, like these are the type of guys that you get. And I think that he might last longer in the NFL um, just because he played at Alabama for so long. And I can see that kind of development um, when he was behind Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy and all those guys for all those years. Yeah. Just looking back on it though, the list that they've had in terms of separators, we know Devonte Smith, the Jerry Judy's of the world, 
Jalen Waddles and this class is Jamison Williams. Um, then you had this guy who had the fourth most screen catches in all of college football this season at 33, just seven deep catches. He did force 20 missed tackles, but a lot of it is because of that screen game that, but despite all those, you know, screen catches, his yards after catch on average was just six and a half, which was 111th in college football. Like I, who knows what his athleticism is. Maybe it shocks me, but I just didn't see where he was used being a winning way that he wins at the NFL level because like the skill set isn't there. Like just so the traits aren't there. He had eight drops too, which is pretty dang gone bad. I will say to his credit, what a story John has had born in Taiwan, spent childhood years in Ghana, moved to Canada at age six, played high school football in Maryland and New Jersey. And then he wound up at Alabama. So something has to be good because Nick Saban won him on the field along with everyone else, obviously, on the offense. And uh, he was productive for them. Yeah, he got a sick touchdown dance, one of the coolest in the class for sure. The the yards per route run on the non-Mickey Mouse routes, no screens, no sweeps, no leaks, no broken plays, just the good routes, only at 2.2 yards per route run compared to Jameson at 3.6. So I'm with you with that. A uh, good point up in the chat, though. He like, This is like the type of thing I'm talking about, where he like always knew where he was going and I think that he might be better against zone coverage, but I, I agree uh, that he was crafty getting to the marker. He's kind of a physical player, and he's going to be battling like that. So that's why I think that he's going to be able to hang around the NFL. I don't think that we should be having some super high ceiling. But if he's starting uh, late next year after coming off this tornado sale, I wouldn't be that surprised. But I think he might be like that like Josh Palmer kind of role where you're like kind of hoping. You don't think so? I didn't see that at all. Like to me, Josh Palmer, I saw go up and get it down the field and like be a real contested catch presence, like a physical presence. They didn't use that. They didn't use him like that at uh, at the next level, though. Like he was kind of like that, like slot kind of Keenan Allen backup. And I think that you kind of see him like within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage kind of being like that third target. Yeah. Again, and I'm not trying to crush the guy. I mean, and I can be wrong. Everyone's wrong. He loves like the hesitation off the dribble. He tries to follow it up with like sudden moves versus press. He even lined up at X receiver against Florida. He changes pace on crossing routes. Um, but man, he loves a freaking high step for a guy that can't really move after the catch. Like loves it. That little we love the confidence move. though. We love that confidence. And then his routes turned into triple moves on underneath patterns. Like that's not to me. That's not translatable. But we'll see. We'll it's- see. It's late, late, late second, late, late third round. Ooh, late, ooh, late he's third a second round, round pick. We no, got no, some no, problems. Late third here. round, early fourth round. I'll, I'll live there. Optimistic, Hayden Winks. I kind of hate that we're ending on that name because uh, that was some negative Norris ending with us. Um, hopefully, you all enjoyed this though. Again, I know it's a little bit in the weeds. Some X's and O's, some some player traits and evaluations. <laughs> I know. I really don't like doing this. I like focusing on where he wins, but hey, I didn't really have much in that section for, for some of these guys. I think this means that we're not doing our day three wide receivers. It sounds like we would be just crushing these guys. Like, let me know if there's any other names I need to watch, though. I, I think I need to in watch the comments. Let us Thornton, know. Like Alex Pierce, I watched for a second. Um, none of the, none, the rest of the guys are just not popping the model, so might have to leave them alone. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers are always fun, as we started off the last episode with. Just because your title is WR doesn't mean you play the game similarly. Like they all have different skills and buckets and prototypes and all that type of stuff. And uh, that's why there's so many different 
Like that's why there's a 70 pound difference with some of these players at the NFL level. Like you yeah. can have a 230 pound guy and then you can have two, two Atwell who's 150 pounds. You know, yeah. there's no real other position like that in the league. And that's why it's so much fun to, uh, to look at. There was a couple questions in the chat. This is uh, from Lundar. Uh, favorite day two true X receiver to me, it's going to be Pickens. I think you're rolling the dice on him. But I think that he could win on the outside. I guess if you wanted to go sky more there, but I think that's kind of a projection mm-hmm. at the next level. That'd be kind of a bad fit in my opinion. Uh, but for me, for, for me, it's Pickens. A long shot ceiling projection for where Pickens wins. And if that is going to succeed, the NFL level is like Brandon Marshall, just being like big hammer alpha, not being able to separate that much. But man, if it's my ball in the air, it's my ball in the air and I'm bringing coming down with it. So yep. that's uh that's one name to think about. But again, day two has been a wealth, a treasure trove for a lot of these wide receivers just looking back on this list like again t higgins had questions michael pittman had questions debo aj brown dk deontay johnson terry mclaurin and then not that many questions with them at the nfl level i mean how many questions did we have about aj brown and dk Metcalf going in the draft that is all somebody else's fault no okay dk was all on one side of the field it was just injuries but it was all one side of the field and then if you remember his draft process a lot of freaking out about the agilities as well yeah, and then you put on the tape, and he's six four running by. I couldn't and believe that one. People out there do not say that we were freaking out about that. I'm just telling you how these things unfold. And in fact, DK lasted all the way until the 64th overall pick. All right, last thing from the chat: uh, the adjusted spark scores will be on Underdog Network. Uh, wrapping up the pro days, I'm going to have all of my scouting reports, and I'll include that over there. So, Underdog Network. All right, this week was wide receivers. Next week, running backs. I know I'll be doing this weekend. Running backs. They're all day three picks. Easy as that. (laughs) We'll log out. Appreciate you all tuning in. We're having a blast. Uh, I know that draft season is like five weeks away right now. But, man, it's a a fun period. Team building this offseason has been unlike any other. So appreciate you tuning in to all this. And it's just the start, obviously, for that hot, hot best ball summer. So again, if you're itching for some fantasy football, you can draft all of these players in every single draft that we have going on over on Underdog Fantasy. The app is fantastic. It's great on desktop. Just use promo code the show. There's a link down below, and we will match your first deposit up to 100. So if you put in, you know, 59, we'll give you 59 in your pocket as well. Play pick them. Play pick them. All right. For Hayden Winks, I am Josh Norris. You better... Smash that subscribe and like button down below podcast feed. We appreciate you too, especially the ones who leave a rating and review up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya.